0: hey y'all have you ever heard of old gods of appalachia well if you haven't you have now let me tell you this is a horror anthology podcast and it is absolutely amazing they have characters they have actors they have different people doing voiceovers it is so ridiculously dope y'all gotta check this out um I'm I'm like I'm enthralled. I I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I got to tell you all the actors are They're straight. They're queer. They're black. They're of color. They're male. They're female. They're they-them's they-them's They They just This thing is so diverse man. And and it's there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire So this is a big deal Y'all gotta check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey y'all, it's your fam, Black Fluid Poet, coming to you live from my humble abode of books during this pandemic paradise, where we can, I think all agree, the pandemic today has nothing to do with COVID. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing. Cuz if you live in the United States of America, I already know. Y'all yeah. <laughs> This has been a week where I can honestly tell you the more I scrolled through TikTok, which to me is the news of the day. It's 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 the news of the Gen Z generation, right? Because it's where you find out what's really going on. It's where people are really doing their Googles. It's where people are actually doing all the research and showing you in three-minute videos everything that they found. It's where you find historical fact. It's where, like, at least on my FYP. I Man, my FYP is thorough. Y'all hear me? Um, TikTok ain't playing no games on my FYP. Because I follow the realness. You wanna know who to follow on TikTok? You wanna learn? You wanna embrace things that you've never considered before? You wanna find spirituality? Um, You wanna understand politics? You wanna understand race and gender? Go to my page. Don't follow me, go to my page. Click on who I follow. There are thousands of people who can guide you to better understanding anything about this country and y'all the pandemic that i'm discussing right now is violence we're going beyond guns i'm talking about violence there were a couple of statistics that i learned um that, that have just they it sends a shiver up and down my spine when I consider this. So when you talk about the the sociological structure of of a country, the culture of a country, you know what I mean, you think about, just think about like, I don't know, England, right? Think about Nigeria, think about South Africa, think about Beijing, Um, think about Hong Kong. There are cultural norms, right? Even in Tokyo. Tokyo is a perfect example. If you get on a subway car in Tokyo, it is in absolute silence, okay? You get on a subway car in New York City, shit, ain't nothing quiet about that, mofo. These are the ways in which people have understandings about how to function around each other in the public sphere, right? And they all have different ideas about how that needs to be done we're going to take Japan again. Japan also gives its citizens the right gives its citizens the right to have firearms. So does the United States. Japan has zero school shootings. I'm not even going to give you the atrocious number of shootings mass shootings in general in the United States of America. Okay? Now people will say that these terrorists and school shootings, these, these young men with troublesome minds, we need therapy. We just everybody needs. as soon as you're born, you get assigned a therapist. You know what I mean? That is, there's two holes, right in, in that idea. One, you know, damn well, the Republicans are never going to sign off on free health care. And to ensure that anyone who possibly has some sort of a psychological disorder, they're not going to get the treatment. They're they're never going to get the treatment, all right? Because unless you have wealth, this country does not enable you to get health. Without wealth, there's no health. And that's the way of the United States. Now, to contradict that point even further, Japan has plenty of therapists. But from people that I've spoken to who have lived in Japan or come from a Japanese culture, they, you know, Japanese family, ain't nobody trying to see a therapist in Japan. Ain't nobody sitting down with a therapist in Japan. And it's damn sure not required for them to buy a firearm. However, there is a wait to buy a firearm in Japan that lasts months. There is training and classes you have to take in order to have a a firearm in Japan. And it is because of this work that it takes to get a gun. Most of the people who have guns in Japan, you're never even going to know they have it because the shit stays locked up. Here in the United States, all you have to be is room temperature body heat with a pulse. And you can buy a gun in the United States. I can't stress enough how many of these shootings occurred with a young man under the age of 20 who within that week purchased a firearm, wanted to buy a firearm, went to a store to buy a firearm, Purchased the firearm, brought the firearm home within days of committing mass murder. Let me, let me, let me let's try this one more time, okay? Because I really think that we need to hear this. All right. I'm going to try this uh, a different way, okay? If at the age of 18, right, I wanted to purchase, I don't know, let's see, how about a car? I want to purchase a car. I am 18 years old, I have the money for a car, I want to purchase a car. Well... You go to the car dealership, right? And he's like, where? Well, you know, what you thinking about? What you looking at? I'm like, man, I don't know. I got like six grand. And I'm looking to get me, you know, a little car. Maybe used, of course, for only $6,000. And he's like, all right, well, look, check it out. Instead of giving me the whole 6000 you give me $2,000. I get you in a brand new car and bring your payment down to like, I don't know, 200 a month. And you're like, Word? And he's like, Word? And we're like, Okay, Word. So you go to his office. And he's like, All right, what's your name? You tell me name. Hold you. All right. You got a social security number? Yeah. All right. So uh, you got some ID? ID? What I need ID for? I got the money for the car. No, I, I need ID. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Well, um, here you go. Here, here's, here's an ID. Okay. You got a driver's license? Nah. You What? No, I don't have a license. But I figured I'd get the car and then eventually get the license. Okay, well, um, you can't drive the car off the lot with no license. Well, why the fuck not? I paid for it. It's mine. Sir, it, it doesn't work that way. Damn. All right, well, anyway, uh, let's take a look at your credit. Okay, let's take a look at the credit. 18, you barely got any credit, man. Like, look, your payments, I know I said a couple hundred, but in order for your payments to stay around a couple hundred, I'm going to need that whole six grand. And then we can keep your payments at, you know, X, Y, and Z because you're too young for me to be able to do this at the price I suggested, obviously, because of your credit score. All right. So the man, young man, can't afford the car because he's too young and he hasn't established himself as someone who is financially responsible. He can't drive the car off the lot because he doesn't even have... A driver's license which means he won't be able to get insurance and he won't be able to get the car registered so there's no need in him having the car at all and he's like, but damn man I got a date this weekend I need this car I got to show it off to the girl and they're like yo we didn't put you in this situation you did this you should have been had this license you should have been had you know the the, the capabilities to get the car registered and insured you come in here with six thousand dollars and you want a miracle it don't work that way my man So the kid goes home disgruntled. But he wants the car because he got a date this weekend. Fuck that shit, he says. He goes to a gun shop. He buys an AR-15 outright with the cash in his pocket. Leaves the store. Goes back to the car dealership. Puts the gun in the salesperson's face and pulls the trigger. Tell me I ain't going to have this car. Shit. Gets in the car, leaves the lot, gets pulled over, surrounded by police. Maybe they take him alive if he's white. Or maybe they shoot him on sight if he's of color. Does anyone else see a problem with that story? Aside from how absolutely ridiculous it sounds, which isn't so ridiculous because more ridiculous situations have spawned mass shootings in the United States. Like a gentleman who one officer was quoted as saying was just having a bad day and proceeded to shoot up Asian massage parlors throughout, uh, I believe it was the city of Atlanta. I don't know, I I no longer have an idea of what it would take, but here's what I know it would take. A A Democrat majority Senate, a Democrat majority House, and a Democrat in the White House is what it would take to pass reasonable gun law. That's what it would take. Now, Texas has had so many mass shootings that I cannot keep track of them. since, Just since like 2017, bro, they've had so many. Um, I just can't wrap my brain around it, okay? But this is a state, mind you, right? And we're talking about culture, right? Each state has its own subculture in the United States. I've, I've noticed this. Now, Texas... don't like nobody telling them what to do. That's Texas, okay? This is a state who historically has had a hard time with adjustment. What do I mean by that? 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation passes and slaves, the enslaved Africans are then freed. When does Texas free their enslaved citizens 1865 two years later why because they still had crops that they needed to get out from under the ground and they wanted their free labor to do so now by the time lincoln's military got to texas texas like "All all right all right they can go two years two years two years, enslaved Africans were working for free when they weren't supposed to be working at all. This is how Texas has been. Since then, always, Texas is one of the last to give up some shit. What did Al Pacino say in The Devil's Advocate? That final fig leaf. Texas is the final fig leaf often when it comes to progress. And that's something that if you live in Texas, man, look, I'm telling you right now, if everything I'm saying right here is, is 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 re-traumatizing you and causing all this frustration, perhaps you're considering crying right now, perhaps you already were crying when I started this podcast, understand this, you have two choices. Run for office or get the fuck out of Texas. Like for real, y'all, for real. I don't know what it is about places like Texas, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida. What is it about the former slave states that refuse to move with the changing times? Why? Why I don't, I man, look, ugh, I ain't got no answers. Like there, there's There's this hip hop song uh, where they, they just keep bringing up problem after problem after problem. And the chorus is, hey, man, I ain't got no answers. I feel that. Like, I feel that right now. Like, we are staring at an opportunity to change. And conservative politicians have their arms folded, sitting back in their chairs at the Senate, going, no, I'm not going to do it. They have a reasonable... Uh, Gun Bill, sitting on the desk of Mitch McConnell as we speak, he's had it for two years. Y'all, House of Representatives passed that shit in a day. In a day they passed it. Passed it in a day. But you and I know, first of all, with those two damn quote-unquote Democrats, the one from Arizona and the one from West Virginia, we already know The majority is going to be conservative when it comes to gun laws we already know so it can't pass okay could the president write an executive order yep absolutely he could will he nope and i want to believe it's because he believes in the democratic process i want to believe that joe biden believes that it has to be done in the senate so that it is this permanent fixture in our political system, in our laws. If the Senate passes it, it's done. Like, there's no argument. Executive orders can be, you know, dissolved as soon as the next Republican president takes over the White House. So he's hoping that the Senate does its job. Why? I have no idea. Because there is nothing about the Senate... That leads us to believe that they are going to do anything about gun law. And here's the other thing that I often have a problem with. We all know that there are certain Democrats that are just full of shit. I say certain because shout out to the squad. Them four ladies ain't playing no games. And Porter. Porter should be in the squad too. Just saying. Porter can come to the cookout. She is the real thing. And I know she would pass real gun legislation in a minute had she been in the White House. But I want to talk about these. I I went off. Sorry about that. I want to talk about these two two statistics that I learned about the United States. One, 1% of the United States population has the potential of becoming a serial killer. That doesn't sound like a lot of people. 1%. That's not 1%. That's all. One out of every maybe 100 has the potential. Doesn't guarantee that they become a serial killer, but has the potential of becoming a serial killer. Okay. Until you realize that there are over 350 million people in the United States. That is 3.5 million people that have the potential of becoming a serial killer. Okay. Why bring that up? Because the majority of of serial killers come from the United States. You know, second place where they come from? (laughs) Oh, you're going to love this. The UK. It is no coincidence that where white supremacy is king, violence is soon to follow. Because white supremacy and patriarchal systems. White supremacists and patriarchal systems will not function without violence because they are illogical, because they are irrational, because they are unspiritual. There is no other way to continue with those systems unless you force them. Think about white supremacists patriarchal systems as a round peg and think about the progress of humanity as a square hole white supremacist patriarchal systems are constantly being banged with a mallet to fit through a square hole which is why this country is slowly slowly ever so slowly, and people think it's happening fast, it's not, it's taken centuries to get here it's slowly starting to dissolve. This country is coming apart at the seams. Nobody believes. Nobody with an IQ over forty-five believes in the American Dream anymore. We know better than to think. Well, anybody could be a millionaire. No, they can't. Everybody cannot be a millionaire, man. That's not true. Um, and 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 I think a lot of us have come to these conclusions. Like, well. You know, there there was a time... Here, here's the best way I could put it. I'm going to talk about my childhood for a minute. I had what I believed to be relatively a happy childhood. Now, was there toxicity? Yeah. Was there violence? Absolutely. Was there fear? Sure. Um, however, in the 1970s, people convinced themselves that this, whatever this is, This is how the world works. It's not going to change. Roll with it. Adjust. Stop crying. Stop whining. Get up. Walk it off. That was the mentality of the 70s. If you were a a child, if you were a Gen X child in the 70s, did nobody want to hear about your physical pains? Did nobody want to hear about the emotional problems you were having? Um, You're just raw dog that, that... toxicity shit and, and kept it moving because your only job in life as a child in the 70s was to get good grades in school and follow the orders of every single adult you came across. Period. Children were to be seen and not heard. That was one. Two, Um, you, you did what your parents told you to do. Period. You did what your parents' friend who lived across the street told you to do. Don't let that woman find out you were doing some fuck shit because she will call your parents in a minute. And after she whoops your ass, then calls your parents, your mama came home and whooped your ass. This was the 70s. Now, I grew up in one of the roughest neighborhoods in New York City, the Lower East Side of Manhattan. It was the heroin capital. You feel me? There were abandoned buildings where drug dealers just put up shop in this building. Nobody ever had qualms about it. You know, bodies were found every morning around city dumps and in dumpsters and near garbage cans. Um, street gangs were everywhere in my neighborhood, man. And and I mean, like, these kids were 10, 11, 12 joining street gangs. And they all had their t-shirts and they all had their designated places where they hung out, you know, around the hood. Um, everybody had a parent strung out on dope. Everybody had, you know... Uh, an alcoholic that was causing problems in their house. Um, Most people I know had a very violent um, form of discipline happening where they live. You know, nobody wanted to go home with bad news because every mother had a belt ready to go. Every grandmother had a belt ready to go. Every father had bare knuckles ready to go. Why the fuck is your teacher calling this house? Why the fuck can't you shut the fuck up in class and do what you're told? This was the mentality. However, with all that violence, all those drugs, all this lack of family values and immorality, never was there a school shooting. You were lucky to get two kids having a fist fight inside the school. That's are you kidding? You wanted to have a fist fight inside the school and have my mama found out I was throwing bones in a classroom? Shit, you crazy. I'd end up in the hospital. Nah, son. Me and you got beef? What did we say? Yo, three o'clock. I'm gonna see you after school. Word. At the park, whatever. I remember the first day of school at PS 97 Lower East Side. I remember there would be fights just starting. First day, outside the school, 8 o'clock in the morning, you would just see, like, this crowd of kids, and all of a sudden, little pockets would open up inside the crowd, and kids would be fighting. Kids who had beef all summer. Kids who, like, were pissed off at each other since last school year, and they hadn't seen each other since. Oh, now they see them, and it's on site. Not one school shooting. Never heard of it. Never, The absurdity of finding out that some kid went into a school and just started killing people, crazy to me. Until the 80s. I remember in the 80s, a boy was picked on, tired of getting picked on, came to school with the gun, and shot kids in this one particular class. It became... Such a headline story. I remember uh, Pearl Jam uh, made that song Jeremy about it. Based on a true story. And I remember, like, we all were like, could you imagine? Well, child, Columbine happened. And at that point, it became, well, at least in the POC communities, it became a white boy thing. Like, child, what is it with these white boys? I remember Chris Rock made a joke In his um, comedy special, Bigger and Blacker. I remember he came out and said, Hey, y'all, I'm sorry I'm late. But I got on the elevator. And these two white kids got on the elevator. I dove off the elevator. Ain't gonna shoot me. And it became a common joke. There was another, another shooting somewhere else. And it was another young white man. Why? Why was that... So common. Because there's two things that are happening here. This is a serial killer. And this is a school shooting. And this is a young man who is able to get a hold of a gun easily. Who is also white. Who is often, you know, from what we know, heterosexual. Heterosexual. Cis sexual, cisgender, the, 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 all the, he, f- he fits all, he checks all the boxes for, uh, hegemonic perfection, right? He has all the, you know, normative qualifications Christian, straight, cis, white, right? Um, relatively smart, right? They're not, they're not like, kids who are struggling intellectually. Um, and, and yet, this need to thrash everyone around them is just, it's, it's, it's an obsession, right? To, to get to this place of anger where you are willing to, to take the lives of strangers around you where you need to be heard so much that it takes bloodshed. Those are kids in my head. I'm 52 years old. I know they're grown. I know they're 18, 19, 20. But in my head, they're kids. And and I apologize if that makes it sound like I'm minimizing the behavior because I'm not. But these are, in my head, these, these are just kids who... We're inspired to do this from somewhere. These are not original fucking ideas. This is happening every week somewhere in the country. This is happening. Okay. I believe that oftentimes when it comes to a lot of these young men, they're not getting the respect or freedom, or, I don't know, this easy path laid out for them that they all believe is supposed to exist. But when they look out into social media or they look out into these books, they're seeing that none of that shit is true. That people are now saying, so what, you're white? So what, you're a man? What can you fucking do? And it's almost as if there's some sort of a tantrum in things not being easier. It's, it's almost as if the mediocrity that we've always accepted from white men is no longer acceptable. I, I, I wish it was that easy, it's not. But this is one of the things that goes through my head when we talk about this. This idea that this is happening everywhere and that there's nothing we can do about it, is so pathetic. Is so defeatist. Is so self pitying. That I I can't even respect anyone that 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 even suggests it. Like this, there's nothing. This one guy on TikTok. Oh my God, you have no idea how bad I wanted to make a ten minute minute video and just devour his entire existence, but I didn't. He was like, you know, the bodies aren't even cold and we're already talking about politics. Really? You care about these cold bodies? Is it, About these warm bodies? Is that what you're telling me? That you're so concerned? As He was the guy who was a Texan. He was a conservative, gun rights advocate. And and this is the new trend. That this, this gentleman, um, I believe that Senator Cruz tried to say the same thing. Like, let's not politicize this. If there is one thing that I can be grateful for when it comes to my college education is these two statements. One from Dr. Merle Beam, who taught Transgender Studies at Virginia Commonwealth University. Absolutely brilliant gentleman. Um, Has a book out that you should look into. um, The Revolution Will Not Be Funded. And it's it's about nonprofit organizations and the whole system of nonprofits by Merle Beam. M-Y-R-L Beam B-E-A-M. You, you you gotta get that book. Merle Beam is a genius. Now, Merle said to me, you have to understand, John, the personal is the political. Everything that happens in your life has a political attachment to it somewhere, somehow. Every drink that you could go to the bar and have, the ways in which people talk to you when you're in public, um, Even the way the the classroom is set up in the United States, all of it is political. All of it has a political statement attached to it. Okay. That made sense to a certain degree. However, I never really knew exactly what politics, the word politics, I never knew how exactly to... Wrap my brain around it. Like, what does it mean? You know, people say, you know, they're, oh, they're talking politics. Oh, well, let's not make this political. What, what does all of that mean? Okay. And I, I've done this in another podcast, I know. So I'm, I'm going to keep this brief. Um, God, I'm mad. I can't remember his name right now. Freaking genius. This guy, uh, he got his doctorate in law from um, Brown University, He is the head of the political science department at VCU, unless he's already left. He was still there last I heard. I don't know why I can't remember this man's name. He's a freaking genius. And I asked him, what exactly does politics mean? And he said, who gets what and why? And I said, that's it? He goes, yep, that's it. It's the best way I could explain That's politics. So when we're talking politics... When we're talking about who gets what and why, we are trying to understand the systems that are in place. Okay. So when you walk up to Senator Cruz and say to him, you know, while he's blabbering on about the 19 families that are grieving right now. And and this, you know, sounding British uh, journalist says to him, so does this mean that you are prepared to discuss uh, gun laws? And he goes, Well, let's not make this political. (laughs) Now, take what I said and put that in place of the word political. Well, let's not make this about who's getting what and why. Do you you see how that works now? Do, Do you see how that works? Let's not talk about who's getting shafted and who's getting blessed. Let's not discuss why these kids are dead and these white kids are not. Let's not, you know, elaborate on how it's so possible for murderers to get a hold of a murdering machine and then bring it around people who weren't prepared to die today and open fire. Let's not talk about how possible that's happening in our state as opposed to other states. Because, I mean, you know, the way he makes it sound like let's not make this political and let's not make this into a game. Is what he's saying, but isn't it a game? Isn't it a game? Isn't this the same game that Cruz used um, during? Um, I'm so mad. I can't remember people's names right now. During the the, the SCOTUS hearing for Ketanji Brown Jackson, was it he not playing a game, holding up the "How to Be an Anti-Racist Baby" book, and 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 wasting all of our times with? sarcasms and innuendos and gaslighting. I'm so tired of this dude. I got to tell y'all. I'm so tired. It's on site. It's on site. I don't care if this brings the FBI out of my house. I'm telling you right now, if I ever saw Ted Cruz in person, I'm fucking him up. His bodyguards will not be able to get. I'm just going to rush him. I'm going to rush him and punch him in the face at least once. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm in Albuquerque. I ain't that far from Texas. Someday, I truly believe I'm going to be in a corner store. And this man going to walk in and just want to buy a sody pop. And I'm going to punch him in the face, in the back of the stove. I promise you. But anyway, let me digress. See, violence. Now, there's also been studies done uh, with brain scans that serial killers and corporate CEOs have the exact same brain scan. Why is that? Because this white supremacist patriarchal capitalism that we are living in requires the same removal of compassion, of, of emotion, that is also required to being a serial killer, to taking lives. To take someone's livelihood is tantamount to taking someone's life in a capitalist society. Dr. Cornel West used to talk about a social death. And a social death is not that far from physical death. They use it all the time on death row. The first thing that happens is they kill you socially. 23-hour lockdown. You know what I mean? No contact visits. Um, you know, they, they remove all the stuff from, from your room, from your cell. You end up with nothing in your cell, basically. And all you're doing is waiting at that point to die because you've, you've accepted that there is nothing anymore to live for. You're not going to be touched. You're, you're not going to hear new music. You're not going to, you know ever experience anything that makes life worth living. So many people in this country are dying socially. I don't know what's going on with this young man and his parents, but I could tell you it's a very good chance that his family had been dying socially for a long fucking time that this bullshit about essential workers that for some reason still can't get enough money to pay their bills, but they're so essential, right? Um, The inability or the unwillingness of this country to raise the minimum wage, the lack of healthcare available to people who are at or below or just above the poverty line. The way that POC are treated, especially those of some Latinx background or South American background. When you have brown skin, all they want to do is call Border Patrol on your ass. Like, God forbid, two Puerto Ricans are in Walmart talking Spanish and all of a sudden some lady's just like, go back to Mexico. This is that white supremacist patriarchal system I'm talking about. Do I know why this young man did what he did? No, hell no. got no idea? Do I think mental health had something to do with it? Of course. Of course I think mental health had something to do with it. Anybody who thinks it's a good fucking idea to go killing children in a school has got to have something that needs to be addressed inside their skull. Do I think that's the main problem? No. Do I believe that whatever trauma is going on with his family definitely traumatized him? Absolutely. Do I think a therapist could have stopped this from happening? Sure, as long as the young man who believed his best option in this world was to kill his grandmother, then proceed to walk into a school and kill 19 more people? If he couldn't buy a gun, he would have had enough time to maybe see a therapist. But Texas fucked that up. You know how many times as a recovering addict, I have been ready to throw in the towel? Just in the last two days, I had a conversation with a a friend of mine, Erica Foreman. And I told her, Erica, I was supposed to be dog sitting at this lady's house. There was this other guy already there. Child, he was shooting meth when I walked in the door. She said, what happened? I said, I walked the fuck back out. I told this lady, look, I can't be at your house. You're going to have to have homeboy watch your dogs. I, I can't be around this shit. And we both were laughing. And then I told her, but uh, let me tell you this, in the last 24 hours, all i wanted to do is shoot meth. And the, the idea was torturous in my head. So me and Erica talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. Now, do you know why Erica and I were able to talk me out of these urges, these compulsions, these obsessions that I was having? Because it is really fucking difficult to go out and buy meth and a syringe. Especially here in Albuquerque. It is not easy. It's easy to do when you know the right people. It's easy to do when you know the right neighborhood. It's easy to do when you ain't scared to be out there at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's easy to do when you ain't worried about getting arrested. But it's still a risk nonetheless. So because I wasn't willing to do all of that risky labor to relapse, I was able to have time to walk through these urges. That doesn't happen with mass shooters in the United States. All they gotta do is go to a gun store. All they gotta do is go to a gun convention. And there's people there just willing to sell you a gun in the parking lot, no problem. We are out of our minds with this shit. And the saddest part is that these politicians know that the citizens are not going to do anything about it. Because that's the lesson we've taught them time and time again. Now look, I'm, I'm going to do some, uh, some ads, got to pay some bills. I'll be right back and we're going to talk about this, okay? Love y'all. Hey y'all, your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you Love this podcast. I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However, the way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers so you come here to Anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick 99 cents four ninety nine, or nine ninety nine. Please feel free to pick $0.99. Cents. I, I, I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Because, yo the struggle is real y'all take care hey y'all you ever heard of an amazing young woman by the name of Zinzi Smith well I have and her and I had just an amazing conversation on Beyonce's internet I will have you know that 20 year old Zinzi Smith has her own black woman-owned business for an entire year now teaching spin classes. And let me tell you, she's enthusiastic. She wants the world to know that she's ready to help you shed them pounds from Thanksgiving and Christmas and help you keep up with that New Year's resolution that all of us middle-aged people like to make while we're still making them. So I, for one, am going to try and take one of her classes, just $15 for an online class with Zinzi Smith. She also teaches in person in studios in Brooklyn and in Queens and NYC. And all around, I got to tell you, I am just in awe of her. So you can reach out to her on Spin With Zen. That's Spin With Z-I-N on TikTok and on Instagram. And let her know that you heard it here on Black Fluid Poets Podcast. And you're trying to shed them pounds and keep up that New Year's resolution. You feel me? So... Give her a shout-out. Let me know how it went. Hey, uh, y'all. Black Fluid Poet, a.k.a. John S. Blake, back. And let's, let's keep this conversation going, y'all. Now, I know I'm all over the place because there is so much to talk about, and I don't want to make this a week-long segment about violence in the United States. I just... <sighs> we need to talk about these things. However, for me to discuss violence is... It's it's too much. It's draining for me. What I need to say right now, right, is that our politicians don't think we have what it takes to change their minds. <laughs> you can tell by the way they passed this whole, you know, they they diminished Roe versus Wade. You you can tell the way the Supreme Court did that shit. They ain't batting an eye at us. They're not they're not worried about, you know, the liberal left at all. They're not considering our potential for for anger because most of the people on the left are really looking for peace. It's the people on the right that are like, I got my gun. I don't care. I don't want no black people in my neighborhood. I don't want to hear about no critical race theory. Don't teach my kids about nothing homosexual or I'll kill you. Like, that's where they're coming from. I don't know where's our equivalent to that like you're gonna start teaching queer theory in school or we gonna kill somebody like we we don't have that it sounds ridiculous even saying it because so many of us on the left are working from an idea of inclusion we're working from an (coughs) excuse me (coughs) from a black feminist perspective of intersectionality we, um, that is to say that we understand and what works for one might not work for another because they come from a different background, different life experiences, different gender, different skin color, and they see the world differently and they are addressed differently. Therefore, we can't have a cookie-cutter way of learning for everyone. Now, people like that don't throw out life-threatening alternative, like life-threatening... Uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um... God, see when I'm emotional, the intellect just kind of falls apart. Um, We don't force people to think, do what I want or I'll kill you. The left just doesn't have a reputation for that. And maybe that's why the left doesn't always get a lot of shit done. Because this country thrives on fear. And fear thrives on the threat of violence. And power in this country is run that way. These politicians are more afraid of their campaign donors than they are the citizens in which they are supposed to represent. You know how people always like, oh, the police are here to protect you. And people of color are like, the police ain't never been here to protect you. The police are here to protect property. That is some neoliberal bullshit. And we all understand that it's about property. We know it's about property because you will serve more time for robbing a bank than you will for raping a woman. We know this. So this country is more concerned about property and income and finance than we are human life. It's always been this way here. Always. So these politicians are not going to make stricter gun laws, knowing that the gun lobbyists are going to go to fuck off on them. So, what is the solution? Man, I'm about to say something real corny. Vote. Aside from threatening people on the right, aside from threatening politicians on the right, we don't have a lot of options. I will say there is, a, there is a couple of options, like nobody going to work until these gun laws get passed. Does that, is that realistic? Probably not. Pull your kids out of school and stay home. Now, that would make the right happy because the, the right wants nothing more to do with public education. And honestly, between you and me, I think the left no longer wants anything to do with public education, but they can keep pretending that they want public education as long as the right keeps it from happening. And, and that's, that's the, the gaslighting that I can't stand. When Biden's like, I, I don't know what to do. What is there to do? When this keeps happening, what are we going to do? And it's like, bitch, shut up. You know what you can do. You're the fucking president of the most powerful place on the planet. Stop playing these games with us. Stop talking to me like I'm stupid, like I was born yesterday. Don't get cussed out. Joe Biden, please don't get cussed out. I put your ass in there because I see you only got four years left of your life, and maybe you was trying to do some shit before you knew that God was going to be looking at you. Maybe you was just trying to RSVP yourself past the Burley gates. I don't know, because you've been doing a lot of nice shit now that I remember back in the 80s, you'd have never done, because in the 80s, you were a piece of shit. We both know this. The way you went the fuck off on Nita Hill, you was dead wrong. The way that you was really, really, really trying to hide the corruption of the banking system when it came to taking out loans for houses and for college. And, and I know, uh, you know, Miss Senator from, from Massachusetts put you in your place because back then she was a Yale professor of finance and she was telling you about yourself and you didn't want to hear it back then either. You was always trying to smile your way through it being all charming and shit. Don't stand up there after being in the political game for decades talking about I don't know what, what we could do, what we gonna do, I don't know what we could do about it. You know. You know, I know, we all know, we all sitting here. Everybody it's like one giant family dinner. And we're all sitting around this table knowing the drama that's going on with Uncle Joe and and motherfucking Uncle Cruz over here, and and the fight that's happening. We all know what they could be doing to change it, They ain't none of them doing it. Ain't none of them doing it. And you know what the problem is? We got too many white men in charge for too long. And I know if you don't like to talk about race, and you don't like to talk about gender, what I just said made you roll your eyes, and maybe you even turned off the podcast at that moment. You might have. But I know the truth. I know that white men have been so accustomed to being in charge no matter what mistakes they've made in their life that they never thought about the threat of losing their motherfucking place in society. And that's this whole replacement theory, right? But you, these people are trying to blame the presence of other people for why they're losing their positions in life. No, it's because you fucked off. You fucked off. You thought ain't nobody gonna replace you any kind of way so you could do whatever the hell you want. And y'all were out here with your misogyny, out here running companies and, and running politics and, you know, corporations, and people weren't getting paid enough. And now they're ready to quit their jobs. They're not coming back to the office. And women are getting more and more divorces. And women are leaving a lot more and more men more often. They're like, I ain't putting up with this shit no more. And... Even jobs are like, well, yeah, I could hire you. You're a nice young white man, but you're not as smart as Lakeisha, who just got her master's degree, because black women are now the most college-educated demographic in the country. So now you feel replaced. You feel replaced because Pedro Gonzalez, who, whether you like it or not, was born right here in the United States can do the construction job better than you. Because he comes from four generations of construction workers. You're mad that his father came here undocumented. And Pedro was born here. Now Pedro can have your job. And you want to blame Pedro because you can't have your construction job. No, the bottom line is this country has always been built on competition. And you lost. Pedro will work harder for a little less money. And that's always what the boss is most concerned about. You'll produce more than anybody else and cost me less money, you're hired. Of course that's what he's gonna do. That ain't Pedro's fault, he played by the rules. Those have always been the rules. This company puts out a better quality product and costs less. That's the whole premise behind capitalism. But you mad that this young black woman went and got her degree, you mad that Pedro is out here busting his ass, doing what he gotta do. And you haven't, because you've been on your loins, because this country has lied to you and told you that being white, male, straight, and Christian is all that matters in this world. And so you told the line. You did what you were told, and you lost your job to Pedro. You mad because you you really believed you was all that and that you ate ever since birth and you found out Lakeisha got your job because she's more qualified. And now you want to talk about replacement theory. Bitch, what? Where? Where where's the replacement? You still here? You still here? You still running Congress? <laughs> you, still, you still in the White House? You know what I mean? You still run the police department? Y'all got to figure yourselves out. There's a lot more to talk about, um, and I'm sorry that this this rant and this this frustration is the first thing you're going to hear this morning. I, I do apologize to you for that. Um, I'm going to try and make another podcast about self care because Lord knows we need it right now. Um, but just remember, I love y'all, and remember to love yourself. Okay, tell yourself you love yourself at least three times today somewhere. Even if it's a lie, just lie to yourself and do it. Because it'll harden and it'll become truth. And if you fall short, remember you can start your day over at any time. I'll talk to y'all later.